0: Yo, call somebody, text somebody, slap the shit out of somebody. Let them know that Rodian Radio is live up in this biatch. Yeah, Dr. is in full effect, and I gotta tell y'all a little something. Eazy-E is down with us. MC Ring, you know he's down with us. DJ Yala is down with us.
1: Arabian Prince, you know he's down with us. Tony A. The Wizard is down with us. JJ Fag is down with us. Timmy T, you know he's down with us DJ Pooh, boy, he's down with us Toddy B and Spade, they're down with us My boy Ice Cube, you know he's down with us I like to mention, so pay
0: attention to where I'm from Compton, but the tapes are from the rhodium My name is Dre, listen while I play And by the way, I'm also down with NWA Yo, Steve at
1: the Rodium is down with us Slang and funky tapes, it is a must We're number one
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Rhodium Radio, episode 54. I know what you guys are waiting for, but I'm going to make you guys wait just a little bit because I got a couple of announcements I need to make. Uh, the first thing that I need to announce is that we started a GoFundMe page for the Chicano Rap documentary that's going to be directed by me and filled by John Elkins and the rest of my team. Uh, we are asking people to donate to be a part of something that I believe is going to be uh, historic. And when you go to the GoFundMe page that's on the description of the this YouTube uh, channel or it's on my Facebook or it's on my Instagram, you can find th- that link on my bio and you could give whatever you want. It could be a dollar, it could be five dollars. We have incentives for those that are given $50 or even $100. For, for you to find out what incentives they are, go to documixery.com and you should see something there that would notify you or or at least inform you um, what incentives those are. Uh, For an example, I'll give you one. You get to have your name on the documentary. Uh, uh, You get to have a hard copy of the documentary and much, much more, but during the break, you'll see a commercial and it'll tell you a little bit more on what to expect uh, when you do donate. So we need everybody to help donate. Any little thing helps, okay? Now, somebody asked, if you don't meet the goal, what happens to that money? Well, automatically, if we don't meet the goal uh, against, well, on GoFundMe, everybody gets their money back automatically. It doesn't go to us. We don't keep it. You know, it's not like we're going to go buy a bunch of micheladas, you know, but everybody gets their money back. So, and if we don't meet the goal, is the project still coming out? Well, obviously not. Cause there was no budget. So I'm asking for people to help if you want to be a part of this. If not, don't worry about it. And if you don't give, don't waste your time leaving dumb comments on my YouTube page, my Instagram, on my Facebook, cause I'll delete your ass, okay? So other than that, we finally got the CDs in. I have the Scanless, I have Dope Beats, I have Bullshit, and I have In Effect. Uh, somebody asked, which is the song that we play in the beginning of the intro? It's on this, In Effect. So if you get it, it's on here. Um, bullshit. This is, oh, I'm sorry, Scanless has the original sit in the park, uh, the dirty version. So you can get four for 30, the hard copies for those of you that are interested. And once again, the Rodian Mixtape DocuMixery, right now you can purchase it for unlimited streaming for uh, 20% off when you use the promo code TRMD20. Once again, TRMD20. Uh, other than that, uh, I'll have a little bit more info to share um, throughout the show now people have asked me can you go a little bit extra long on this show today because of my special guest and i said sure we'll see all depends on how much i drink but other than that without further ado please allow me to introduce episode 54 my special guest in the motherfucking building wicked of brownside thank you my brother
1: what's
0: happening wicked representing right here my That's right, Tony. That's right, man. You know what? How you doing? Everything good?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. The drive was good. It's nice and calm. Not a lot of cars out there. Huh? You know, everybody wearing face masks in the parks. Kind of <laughs> a different scene, you know. Okay. But, but just adapting to it.
0: Now, now, let me ask you this: Are you
1: one of those guys? Do you wear the mask? Uh, I do, actually. When you know you walk into Walgreens or the grocery store, it's something that you have to. Uh, be rocking or else they won't let you in, which is good, you know, safe for everybody.
0: You know, the first time I put on a mask, I was able to smell my breath, and it didn't smell that damn good, so I made sure to throw a damn mint,
1: you know. <laughs> but
0: um, other than that, um, other than that, I know it's Wednesday. Uh,
1: how was your weekend, man? Uh, weekend was good, you know, short time with, with the fan bam uh, I got a couple of dogs, uh, a okay. couple of huskies. Uh, I like to go hiking, you know, stay fit, uh, make sure, you know keep that virus away from you (laughs) You the healthier you are and stuff like that but you know staying focused on on everything that that we're attempting to do whether it be music or or the business you know it's okay it's it's a family time on the weekends though
0: that'll work that'll work Uh, same thing with me of course i'm here every sunday every wednesday i enjoy what i do but i also try to make time uh, for my family, for my grandbabies uh, that are here visiting from Florida. Other than that, uh, you know what? I went on your Instagram and on your story, I saw that you had a lot of Mexican champions on there on your story. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Are you a huge boxing fan? I I love boxing, man. Since I was a, a young buck, it all started back uh, when I would have to leave the pad. They would send me. They would send me back uh, to where I was born in Baja, California uh, with my grandma, rest in peace. Uh, they used to send me over there on, uh, you know, in the summers and, uh, we used to work in the yard all day and she would train me, you know, uh, in the afternoon. She was a big boxing fan. She was left-handed. She would always smack me when I wouldn't see. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, there was this thing, uh, uh, it was Tijuana boxing at two in the morning and I would crash out about 11 and she would wake me up you know at 2 in the morning on saturday nights uh, so we could watch it till like about 4:30 and she would teach me you know all oh, watch the footwork look this is this is what he's trying to do as soon as he puts his foot on the outside he's going to come in with this and and everything that she would teach me you know it would all make sense because the boxer would end up doing that so yeah. the the whole mental game of boxing and the whole strategy to wear your opponent down, it all became something that, you know, I was aware of at a young age. And yeah, of course, you you know, you got your, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez, the big dog, you know, Manos de Piedra, you know, Duran, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, everybody, you know, growing up, you know, it's something that on the weekends, the whole family would gather, you know, around the carne asada and drink and watch boxing. And it just became something that, you know, it's just part of my life
0: such a beautiful sport man because you got to have footwork coordination you know the bobbing and weaving to be able to take a punch you, you better have a fucking dope chin yeah uh, uh at a young age i was taught by my brother even though i'm right-handed but he taught me how to uh have a um to fight left-handed yeah and dexterous yes and um so i learned at a young age but um The majority, the reason why I love boxing is this, because if you learn boxing, you have an advantage against the regular Joe Blow off the street Mm. because the regular fat drunk dude only swings with his right hand and his left hand is worthless. So usually Mm -hmm. when you fight a fat dude, you let him swing three times, he's out of breath, hit him in the stomach, and he throws up his food. Mm. That's usually my strategy there. (laughs) And then I help him up and I give him another kawama. But other than that, uh, who would you say is... Your favorite boxer of all time. If you had to choose maybe one, two, or three.
1: Oh, that's a tough one, man. You know, you got different qualities and different boxers. Uh I am a Triple G fan though. Okay. You know, and I love Canelo. You know, his his whole, you know, his whole history going down, you know, in the books, you know, is super important for our people. You know what I mean? Uh but just something about Triple G's eyes, you know. Especially okay. when he walks to the ring and I could always tell, you know, he's got that look and and, and that's something you look for in a boxer, you know, that quality of uh, fearlessness, of attacking hungry. And there's a lot of boxers out there right now that actually have that. Um, but you know you got you got other boxers as well but those are my top two
0: okay now uh did you think
1: triple g won the first canelo fight uh i'm not one of those uh fans that says you know oh he won it or uh, i'm gonna bias that way you know each each one of them came at it uh their own way uh of course you know you you always lean towards your favorite but you know i'm not gonna Okay. I'm not gonna whine about that. You know, it was a great fight. Both yes. of them actually were. You know, yes. and then they were on different levels both of the times. Okay. So uh, them talking about a third fight, you know, it should be interesting if that actually
0: happens. Yeah, should be interesting. Uh, I, I'm hoping boxing just comes back. Period. The last fight that I saw was uh, Tyson Fury a, a Wilder.
1: No. Did you watch the rematch? I saw the knockout. Yeah,
0: that was. was,
1: (laughs) But you know, I think I saw something like in Nicaragua where they're wearing the masks and like about two days ago. Really? Yeah. Which was weird, like uh, face off with masks.
0: Damn. Yeah. What what was that going to do? You know what I'm saying? Don't Don't breathe on me, homie. Yeah. You know?
1: I mean, locos amarran like you stupid. Well, I saw something like in in Japan also where like when they're about to fight and they're like spraying them down with those. right before the fight, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, it's out of hand right now. So, I, you know, people are just trying to you can get through it any way they can, I guess. Wow, um,
0: okay, you know, during this whole Corona coronavirus thing, what what is one thing that you miss the most that you can't do right now?
1: Mm, I, lo- I love the theater, man. I really? Love, yeah, I love going to the movies with my kids. Um, you know, that two hours of peace, not having to think about anything, mm-hmm. you know? I knew I enjoyed it prior to the coronavirus, but it's just, I miss that, that no thinking about anything at all, you know right. what I'm saying? And that, you know, that that would give me something that, uh to look forward to, you know, something, oh, this movie's going to come out, talk about it with my kids, besides the homework and all the other stuff that, you know, yeah. hey, if you do good, we're going to go take care of this, <laughs> you know, I'm going to buy you this candy or whatever, Right. you know what I mean, but I'm sure they miss it too, you know. I got okay. I got them hooked on that. That'll work. What's the last best movie you've seen? Um let's see.
0: It, it could be Netflix or in a the theater or whatever.
1: Uh it was a... Uh, what was it called? The gentleman? Uh The Gentleman is- yeah, it was uh like a dope movie about marijuana and uh it was really? it was pretty cool, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh I can't remember the name of it, but and that, that was one of the last ones that I remember that was pretty tight.
0: Okay. Okay. I'll tell you what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for um, Matrix 4. Uh-huh. coming up with Matrix 4. Really? Yeah. They, they already started filming it. I saw a little bit of the uh, you know snippets that they put online that they were filming downtown. I'm a big uh, Matrix fan, and I'm a big John Wick fan. yeah
1: okay well those are dope ass movies right yeah Yeah. those are dope movies what about
0: star wars fan you're a star wars fan oh yeah
1: absolutely okay did you see the last one yes i did i love that movie yeah i have books like two bookcases of star wars so i'm like yeah i'm a super nerd
0: no shit (laughs) yeah all right i'm a big reader that's dope. Me, me too. Yeah. Uh, I only have about a thousand books. I don't have a lot, Damn. but I, I read a lot. Yeah. I, I do a lot of reading. You know, a lot of times maybe I'm cara de pendejo, but I'm not, I'm a really nice guy. I like to read. we well, so. can play it off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, now let me ask you this: uh, Where are you originally from? You said in Sanada. Is that how, how long were you there before you actually came over here?
1: About a year and a half. Okay. You know, yeah, you know, they smuggled me in. You know. Really? Yeah. From what I was told, I had an aunt that had big boobs, and I was tucked underneath them. Damn. So. Imagine that, right? <laughs> but that's that's the story I was told. Uh, arrived in uh, Baldwin Park, and uh, you know, have family in Southgate, Maywood, Huntington Park. You know, so they moved me around until you know we we settled down. Okay. You know, but my early you know early memories of growing up you know were were in Maywood. Okay.
0: Yeah. Is that where you went to school and everything?
1: I went to school in Maywood when I started, uh, elementary, yep. Uh, a lot of the, the memories of that was I, I was, you know, a pretty good student except for English, you know. It was mm-hmm. something that, you know, they, we didn't speak at home. Right. So I caught on to math and, and, and other, you know, subjects, history, reading comprehension, you know. I was, I'm going to date myself. It was when computers burly were introduced, uh, to school. You know, I was yeah. chosen as one of those, one of those kids that I don't know if I was weird or I thought outside the box, but they chose like five kids to, to mess with those computers and do a couple of subjects, uh, throughout the week there. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, you know, I always knew that, that, you know, my process, my form, my way of thinking was just not normal, you know, I didn't have too many friends, I saw everybody gathering in bunches, and I always had a book with me, or I was always writing, I was always up to something different, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah.
0: That's good, that's good, you know, one thing about me that a lot of people may not know, and they may not care, but I'm gonna share it anyways, is that when I was in elementary, I came in second, for uh spelling like they had a spelling contest of all the sixth graders right on. and i came in second and only because i missed up i still remember the word i spelled it right but they dinged me out and they gave it to the white kid but uh, <laughs> oh well but I, I know that i won yeah and that still irks me. a sense of pride though yes yeah yes
1: so now uh what high school did you up attending uh i didn't go to a regular high school actually okay uh, i was uh in a couple of junior highs okay wh- why a couple uh and you know how life gets, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, you're doing good in school, and then you hit that age where, you know, you start thinking, maybe I could get away with this, or maybe I could get away with that. And, uh, I, you know, I was in Huntington Park at Nimitz Junior High, and then I was in uh, Belvedere Junior High in East Lowe's. And then uh, I was still doing good in school, uh-huh. uh, regardless of my behavior, you know, or my you know my entourage <laughs> uh, but you know it and and i always felt like i was out of place like you know i was in seventh grade and, and i would finish my schoolwork before anybody else so what i ended up doing is uh i registered myself for uh in the east los angeles skill center i don't know if you've ever heard of that but it was no. a continuation program off of soto uh-huh. and it was an adult school half adult school half continuation where they sent you after ya you know Okay. So they had, like, you know, COs and the whole freaking fence closing off and the watchtowers and, you know, stuff wow. like that. And uh, the the cool thing about that, why I registered was because they told me that they gave me packets of, of schoolwork and I could finish it and I could be done with, with school, you know, for the rest of the day there. And what I would do is I would finish it and I would go downstairs and, and go take a CNC class or a telephone class. And. So by the time I graduated, you know, or got my GED, uh, I was 16, and I already had, you know, knowledge on phones and, wow. and and machine shop and welding and stuff like that, you know. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know if I was inquieto or what, but, like, I needed to feed my brain. That's, that's you know, the only thing that kept me calm, you know. Back then, they didn't have the, the ADHD medicine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but they had marijuana, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, brothers and sisters... Yeah, I have uh, two brothers, uh, they're twins, and, and my sister. Identicals? Uh, nah, actually completely the opposite. You really? know? Yeah, they're completely different characters. I love them both, you know. Uh, big shout out to, to my immediate family. Uh, my primos, you know, I got a lot of family, you know, that they, they've always had my back through this whole music thing. Uh, one of them is trying to actually make it here. He's like, you know, I'm trying to get there. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, you know, much love and respect for all the family. They've always had my back, uh, believed in me. You know, I mean, some of them didn't, but you right, know, right, it's all good.
0: Yeah, a lot of them didn't believe in me. They told me to go get a fucking job. So I was like, nope, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Uh, you know, I only have one life, and I know what I'm good at, and I'm gonna do it. And I, I set out to do it, and uh, in some form of another, you know, I started off as a DJ. Then I went to a producer. Uh, now I'm directing, and now I'm podcasting, and Maybe next stripper. I don't know. Yeah. Don't, yeah. get it, Yeah. It involves music, so why not? Yeah. Uh, plus, John Elkins coming out with a stripper glitter. So... That's you know, dope. Put it all over me. Uh, now, uh, I usually like to ask this next question because I like to find out what pretty much shaped and molded you as an artist, if, if any. Uh, as far as what type of music would you say you were raised with at home? What type of music possibly would your father, your mother, or your brothers or whoever at home?
1: Uh, I, I would say it was a variety of things. You know, I have three uncles that that were very influential, uh, growing up as a young, you know, real young Wicks, uh, five, six years old, you know, Carlos Santana. And then you had, uh, all the oldies, of course, and then, um. A lot of the Spanish, all these—I don't know if you remember any of that stuff—but like moonlight cats, los bondadosos, mm-hmm. los caminantes, uh, stuff like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, that just got me into uh, believing the—you know—that I was part of a culture. You know, my uncles had like that galaxy. Uh, you know, you know, coffee brown. I had an uncle who had a '64 Impala Super Sport with the little antenitas in the back. I had another uncle, rest in peace, Mateo Enrique, he had uh, two Bombas, 49s, mm-hmm. a black one and a green one, and I remember, man, these these freaking cars are dope, and I remember thinking, you know, he's a mechanic, how the hell is he making so much damn money, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, their their style, you know what I mean, uh, Dickies back then, yeah. um, I was more of a corduroy. and I don't know, back then, that, that was my thing, corduroyds and, you know, Cortez, all the different colors, I had a Cortez. Yeah. Uh, the bomber jackets. Remember yeah. the bomber jackets? Oh, with the, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it all started with all that. Uh, but honestly, what, what uh convinced me uh to do music was uh, from both sides of the coast, I would say. Uh, on the east coast, I would say Rock uh, there was something about his lyrical approach and and his confidence. Okay. And then uh easy E on this side, for sure, because of uh you know, reckless. I don't care attitude. You know, yeah. and his and his personality. You know, yeah. Uh, waiting for some people to leave. I got another trick up my sleeve. You know, uh, I don't know. Just just motivating factors, key key components that that helped uh, me to believe that I was. Uh, you know, I have potential to do something. No. And if and if it's cool to, to keep saying, you know, a little bit about that. Uh, I remember it convinced me. Right. I picked up a pen and a, and a pad on the back of the rock cam, uh, the cassette Yeah. on the B side. It had like, uh, an instrumental track. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what it was called, but it had an instrumental track and it was like five minutes long, you know? So I started writing to that. Uh, I was probably like 10, 11 years old really yeah so when i decided that's when i decided that i was going to do that so no matter where i went you know everybody's talking about i'm gonna be a police officer i'm gonna be an astronaut you know and they would ask me i'm gonna be i and i would tell them i'm gonna represent the raza <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. you know that's what i used to tell them and and you know not long after that they were like oh there goes a kid that's gonna represent the raza that's on every block you know growing up that's what they knew me as and and um and it just kept going you know i kept i kept uh grinding that was my thing like that's what i wanted to do um i ended up uh winning a contest on the radio station really you know how they do that uh battle of whatever you call in you know Mm -hmm. it's it's a battle and i won that battle and i and i I got invited to that radio station the following week and i showed up and nobody was there but the the airtime was paid for you know okay so the manager was walking by and he's like hey are you the new host and i told him oh yeah hell yeah that's me you know i was like 13 dog right you know what i'm saying 96.7 fm wow the mexicans i named it because we took over that radio station not long after that yeah so then i realized that that adapting and becoming part of this industry was just you know i was always a character man you know i was i was comfortable in front of the mic or in front of cameras i always wanted to text people for what i was going to do before i did it you know what i'm saying um but and you know, that led to meeting one of the one of the producers that helped me do my demo. And in, when I got invited to do that demo, I was walking in in Redondo Beach. And I was walking in, and I could hear, remember Brandy? That song, Brandy? Wow. Yeah, I was recording that song in their living room. But as I'm walking into the side studio, Easy he's walking out, though. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first time that we crossed paths. And I remember him getting into a white limo and taking off. And, um, you Starstruck know, at all? Nah, like, I didn't, I didn't realize who it was until he passed me. You know what I'm saying? He passed me and he got in the car and I went to the producer and I was like, is that, he's like, oh yeah, I'm mixing his album. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I, why am I here? You know, <laughs> I, I didn't make no sense at all to me, but, um, one thing led to another, that demo, uh, landed in, in, in Tolker's hands, you know what I'm saying? Through their sister. And I, and I told that whole story in that, in that song that I wrote. You know what I'm saying? It happened exactly like that. But, you know, one funny thing that, that happened uh, was my dad, you know, we talked about people that didn't really ever believe or maybe he didn't want me to waste my time. Right. You know, but I remember having that conversation. He would tell me, stop dreaming, man. You know, you're not Martin Luther King, he used to tell me. And he would tell me you know it's it's a black it's a black game you know yeah i'm like what you mean man it's like only, only the black people are rapping and i would tell him it's because i haven't showed up you know right i was super confident or arrogant i don't know but confident you know what i'm saying uh and i remember i told him hey i did it you know after i got that phone call from tokes he's like what are you talking about And i'm like i did it like i'm gonna go record my first track and he was like what And I told him, yeah, like right now. That's why I have the notepads and stuff like that. And his back, we're we're sitting like this, and his back is to the window that goes to the outside of the house. And I remember hearing all the lowriders coming down the block. he picked me up like in five lowriders, and all the little neighborhood kids are coming out. And I told my dad, look, there's my ride. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that was a good moment, man.
0: Awesome, awesome. You know, let's cover a couple of moments that you just shared right now. First of all, let me go way back and let me ask you something. What was one of the, your favorite childhood memories? I'll give you mine for you to give an example. As a kid, uh, being one of, you know, uh, I having five brothers, my youngest brother, my dad will take me and him to TJ. And we just go over there and just compraba luchadores, you know, the kind of that yep. would the big one? Yes. Or uh mas- luchadores mask. You oh, know. Yeah. What what is one of your childhood memories, one of your best childhood memories that you can remember?
1: Uh I remember uh my uncle, my team, rest in peace, and my Tiana. Uh my mom had me at an early age. She was fifteen. You okay. know what I'm saying? So they're a bit older and they were they were married, you know, and they didn't have kids yet, but they would take me around like I was a kid. And uh, I remember feeling like I didn't belong until they started doing that for me. And then they went to go look for an apartment and then they found one and they, you know, they're even looking at getting a, a two bedroom apartment so I could live with them and then carry me on the shoulders, you know? So I, I would say that was one of my one of my best memories. And I think I was like three, the they man laughed, She's like, you don't remember that, you know? That's awesome. Um, now, okay, so now you call up this rate. you're
0: writing at 10. At 13, if I'm correct, you call up this radio station, you win the battle, you go to this radio station, and somehow, are they the ones that connected you to the studio where you went and met Easy
1: or, or saw him? So, through that radio station, I ended up uh, hosting it for about a year, okay? And how old were you? I was 13. Yeah, so it was just like, it was uh, from 11 to, to 12, you know, oh. on Tuesday nights, and uh Man, she would lend me the, the blazer. No <laughs> I was shit. a good driver. I was a good driver. Oh, no shit. And, wow. uh, and then we would roll up there, bring music. Uh, I had all kinds of different, uh, you know, events that I, that I started creating. I started hosting uh, lesbian love connection and like all kinds of weird stuff. You know what I'm saying? Stuff that I could think of that could get people to call in, college people. Anyhow, the reason that I did that was because I wanted to start promoting parties. Or, or clubs, and okay. and uh, and I would invite DJs. But you know how you pay DJs to come? No, I would charge DJs to come because I would tell them that that's how popular our show was. Wow. So I was making about four bills a week during that radio station. And anyhow, uh, we got invited to one of the clubs out in San Diego. And uh, at that San Diego club, it finished, and towards the end, they had a battle, a rap battle, you know, and it was a concert uh, that some two guys were, uh, performing and, and they rapped three or four songs. And then they're like, we're gonna, you know, invite anybody up here that wants to battle. And the cats that I was with, they threw me up there. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know. I don't know. Really remember how I, I performed the song, but they felt like I did really well. And it kind of made them feel better. They're like, Shit, we, you know, you made us look stupid up here or whatever. Anyhow, they connected me with the producer. Okay. Yeah. So you go to the studio.
0: He's, he's walking out. You go in. Was there a, already a track already made
1: for you, for you to rap to?
0: Or N- nah, so
1: this is just, uh, I have some instrumentals. Okay. Pick one. Um, let's jump in the booth. I have I have uh, like two hours of time that they're giving me. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's see what we could do. And I became good friends with him, you know, okay. that producer.
0: Now, my next question to you is, so you have a tape or is it a CD? No, it was a CD. Okay, you have a CD. How did you get it into the hands of Toker's
1: sister? Um. So, I mean, I wrote in the song, and it happened exactly like that. The homies were in the backyard, you know, doing their thing, loqueando, and, and I was in the front, and I remember it's sp- it was sprinkling, so I was heading under the tree with the hood on, and I had my 40 wrapped in the paper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A, a carta blanca. Yeah. Yeah, those are my favorite back then. And... uh and then the car passed by and it was just high you know, and, and they like stopped. And then back then I was like, you know, it was a survival of the fittest back then, you know, surviving the 90s was no joke. Yeah. Especially in South Central. Yeah. Um, So they pulled over and they're like, come here. And I'm like, nah, I'm not stupid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you come here. You get off the car. Yeah. And then they 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 came and they pulled over and, and we, you know, we hung out. They're like, want to blaze it? Yeah, let's roll it up. And uh, we started talking and the homies like they smelled it, and they're like, "Hey, what the hell's going on?" You know, so they came out, and uh, you know, we're talking it up, drinking, having a good time, uh, making fun of each other. Toker sisters like to make fun of people, also, you know. It was a good. Uh, it was a good first time. Uh, you know, it was just impressive to me the way that they were just comfortable, you know, ragging on each other, and, and they right. were down to earth, and I, and I appreciated that. Anyhow, they started bumping some music and I was like, hey, what the hell? What's that? I've never I had never heard anything with content like that. Okay. You know? Where I mean, there's music out that we were able to relate to, you know, all the ice cube music that was out, the Dr. Dre music, you know, all that stuff we related to, but this was like on a whole different level. Okay. And then they were dropping two, and they were dropping two on three and Blue Dragon, and I was like, all right, what what's going on? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: And I remember you know the sister's like you like it i'm like oh, and i was a fool back then i, I said nah, i didn't say that i'm just saying <laughs> who is that you know what i'm saying but but i i really did dig it and um she's like oh that's my brother and i thought it was a joke you know i thought she was like you know pulling my leg or whatever but now it ended up being her 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 carnal and i remember my homie with my goo uh saying yeah those fools are okay but my homie wicked like blow those fools out the water you know and they're like oh you rap Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, something like that, you know? Uh-huh. And I remember taking them to the pad and and uh, letting them hear the CD.
0: Yeah.
1: My mom cooked for them and stuff. And and uh, they were like, let me take the CD. And that was the only one I had. And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I didn't want to do it, you know? Right. But I remember my mom telling me, hey, you know, you sometimes you only get one chance like this, you know? And either you risk it all or... Or you just regret it you know right yeah and i was like all right cool you know i handed it to them and since they like to joke around i thought i was never going to see that shit again <laughs> you know what i'm saying but nah sure enough an hour later you know toks called me no shit sure. yeah toks called me and he's like
0: what, what, what was Well, oh, you know what up to you what we're going to press pause right there, and i want to talk to you about what was that conversation like when you first talked to him. All right. So we're going to take a 10-minute break, and we're going to come right back, and uh, I want everybody to hold on. So we're going to talk about a lot more other stuff. So once again, the four tapes are out, four mixtapes, 80s mixtapes uh, that I did, uh, two Dr. Dre did, and two I did for Yano sold exclusively at the Rhodium Swap meet. Uh, at the road at, um, for Stevie, I know the roading swamps. So four of them for 30 bucks, or you could buy four, uh, downloads for 30 bucks. The roading mixtape documentary. Don't forget about that. And don't forget if you want to, uh, help us and, um, with the contribution towards the GoFundMe for the Chicano rap, uh, documentary, please, uh, help us. I'm asking so that we can meet this budget and we can get going and get started. Somebody also asked, when do you plan on releasing it? All depends on how fast we get the budget. If we get the budget quick, then we'll go ahead and start, and hopefully it'll be out by this time next year because it takes about six months to film, and it takes several months to edit. So as soon as we get it out, it'll be in your guys' hands. So once again, call somebody, text somebody, slap shit out of somebody, let them know that Wicked is in the motherfucking building. Brownside, stand up. Welcome to Rodian Radio, and I am your host, Tony A, the Wizard. We started a GoFundMe page because we need you to help us meet our goal. And our goal is to release a Chicano rap documentary. And we need you to be a part of this. Everyone who contributes will have certain incentives offered to them. For an example, I'll name one, your name will be on the credits of the film. Everyone who gives, everyone who contributes, uh, their name will be on the credits. That's just one thing that we have to offer But yet, if you read the description, you'll see other incentives for your contribution. If you've seen the Rodian Mixtape documentary, you will not be disappointed with this documentary, Shining Light on Chicano Rap, the Chicano culture. It is something that can be used as an educational tool uh, now and in the future. So once again, help us meet our goals so that we can start production and remember this, we have a voice and we will be heard once again everybody welcome back to Rodian radio episode 54 and i am tony A. the wizard and uh once again we got new artwork for these mixtapes that were never released on uh, cd uh there's a guy selling them on ebay that's not me so don't buy them buy them for me at drmixery.com this one has an 808 this one has minor high seeds glossy it actually even has a i think a picture of me while i was doing one of them i think hollywood needs more of me okay so that's why i put myself on here and this is the mixtapes. Uh, new artwork, so make sure you buy me out, okay? Uh, because I want a new car by the end of the year. I'm only playing. Wicked, how you doing, my brother? We're doing good. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, so now, you hand over the CD. Toker's sister gives it to him. He hears it. Calls you back. You grab the phone. Fill us in. What is that conversation like?
1: Uh... He's like, what up, Wicks? It's Tokes." you know, Eastside Trece, and I was like, what up, man? He's like, I heard your stuff, man. Uh, you know, I'm digging what, you know, what you're talking about. Uh, I was wondering if you wanted to come by and maybe chop it up for a minute, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, for sure. I didn't really know what it was going to lead up to or what, you know, it was, you know, the potential of where it was going to go. Uh, but, yeah, I was pumped up. I jumped in a, a glass house in Paula with my primo, and we shot out there. And I remember showing up, um, it was in, in Huntington Park. And I remember showing up and there was a gang of low riders outside. I'd say like five, six low riders, suburbans, like the whole block looked like one of the movies on uh right. you know, somebody hustling. Boulevard nights or something. Somebody hustling, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like you know, impressive. And then you pull up to the pad and there's like thirty cholos, you know, all big foos. And um you I'm rocking my my Saints jersey with my 21 on it. You know, I got my <laughs> I got my toy with me because I didn't really know what it was about, you know. I walk up to the gate and they're all like coming around me, you know. Uh and they're like, what's up, man? You know, who are you? And I was like, Oh, I'm wicked street saints. I'm here to see Toker, you know? And I'm trying to like look for who I thought was Toker through all the big crowd of all, you know, all the big guys and and then one of the smallest guys of the whole pack comes and everybody's moving out of his way. And he's coming to the front. He's like, that's me, dog. You know, he's like, pick one of them lolos and I'll meet you out there right now. No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. Uh, so they had this clean ass 61 white uh, with a baby blue stripe. And even the 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 Dayton's man, the Dayton's on the nipples, they all had baby blue on them. Man. Wow! I was like, oh, that's just tight. I'm gonna sit right there. You know? Wow! I remember sitting in the passenger, waiting for him. He shows up with a you know a packet of stuff, like like a professional businessman. Yeah. But dressed up all cholo, which is like a whole <laughs> a whole different thing for me. You know what I mean? Uh, so I was digging and I was like, all right, cool. We could play both worlds. Uh, you know, keep it professional, but still, you know, keep it real. And, uh, and that's how our conversation took off, man. Look, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. Uh, I'm going to let you hear some stuff. And then, uh, I already heard what you got. You know what I mean? I already feel like you're a fit, but let me play some of the stuff that, that we've already done. So, you know, we could get your opinion, you know, and I remember he played me a couple of tracks that danger did and uh, a couple of his tracks and, and I was with it. And I told him, you know, yeah. This is your project, you know. what I'm saying you're inviting me to be part of it. Uh, You know, tell me a little bit about it. And I remember his vision was uh, really unique. You know, Uh, that's what impressed me the most was his vision. Uh, He said, "Okay, well, it's Brownside. The name, the name of the the group is called Brownside." And I said, "Why Brownside? I mean, besides us being brown." And he's like, "You know." There's a lot of us out here right now, though, that look like us? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then we're like just going at it with each other, freaking, you know, hands to the throat and see who survives and shit. Right. And um, and he's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to create something where we all feel part of it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, so everybody's gonna be from the brown side ultimately. Like that's the end game. Right. And he's like, Yeah, that's that's exactly mm-hmm. it. like oh yeah i can dig that i told him but i told him you hear that your flow and your words that you're bringing to the table are a little different than what i'm bringing and he's like no yeah i hear that but i think we balance each other out and so i'm okay cool if you're if you're okay with that you know what i'm saying Uh, because their perspective was raw you know just like easy you know in your face and and this is how it goes down, and this is what we do to survive. You know what I'm saying? And my perspective was always: pay attention to this, don't get caught slipping with that. You know, I already experienced it, There's no need for you, you know, for you or, or your loved ones to go through it. You know what I'm saying? So we've always balanced each other out that way, or you know. And it's like 25 years we did that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. You know, planning, planning, you know, new projects and and. We allowed ourselves to, to create, you know, our office was on the freeway, you know, (laughs) two in the morning, leaving the studio, we would create the wildest, you know, the wildest plans you could imagine. You know what I'm saying? And and it was cool because either we were both talented and geniuses, or we were both crazy, but it was okay because we got along. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Now, if I were to ask you when that meeting took place, when you guys both sat in the car. Around what year was that, what you say? Uh
1: ninety three.
0: Okay. Ninety three. Did you meet danger yet at the time?
1: Uh right after that.
0: Okay. Now we say right after El mismo dia? No,
1: nah, like within weeks. Okay. Yeah, I hung around with with for about two weeks, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, you know, part of you know, his day day to day, you know, and other things. I don't know to right. discuss, you know what I'm saying? Right. But you know, it's not it's not my story to tell that part yeah. of it. Uh, but yeah, he, he incorporated me into in part of his daily routine to see what he was about, what he was dealing with. So I knew exactly what I was getting into so I could make a sound decision, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then I felt like it was just part of, uh, you know, his survival tactics, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's what he did to provide for not only for himself, but for his family. I mean, he took care of everybody, Okay, you know, okay. I mean, you know it, was a, it was very impressive, you know, now he
0: showed you. A songs by himself and danger, were these instrumentals that he was rapping to, or did somebody was producing for oh, him? Oh yeah,
1: no, it was already recorded, and it's a big shout out right here at this moment uh, to Julio G and Tony G. Uh, if if it wasn't for them, you know, a lot of the um, of the solid creativity and and, and the production part of uh, our first album Easy Drama came from them. Okay. You know, uh, matter of fact, that is where I met Easy. You know. Okay so after passing him in that hallway right uh the first time to- tober took me to the studio to the g spot uh i'm walking in and i look down and and i see you know braids right leaning on top of the of the patch board you know what i'm saying right uh real motherfucking jesus bumping yeah uh cam was in there okay some people from um from, uh, you know, different Booyah tribe. Like, okay. Like everybody was there, you know. Uh, for me, you know, 15, 16, I don't even remember how I was young, okay. you know. And that involved with people that are already that marinated, you know, right. in the game. Uh, to me, that was, you know, it was an in, an impact on my life. It was, it was a special moment, you know. So, you, you know, um,
0: so when you heard those tracks, tony and and if you will julio had already recorded with them yes okay so okay so now you meet meet easy what was your first impression about easy when you met him uh he had big ass hands bro little guy with big
1: ass hands you know and uh you know it was uh he wasn't too sure about me at first you know we kind of disagreed real quick really yeah and uh, I remember... That's good. Yeah. I'll, and, I'll, I'll tell you my story after. And, that. I remember, and I remember telling him, you know, like, I, I don't give a fuck who you are, dog. You know what I'm saying? And then I looked at Tox, like, well, what, what's up, dog? Why are you bringing me into a situation like this? You know what I'm saying? And I told him, I'll wait for you outside, you know? I told Tox I'll wait outside, but this was tripping, you know? Right. Whatever. I told him, whatever, you know? Right. And then he started laughing like he was joking around, but I wasn't with that shit. I mean, I was a youngster. Right. Surviving South Central in the 90s. And I was with it, you know. Back then, you know, it was it was about that or or you no know, you know. Right. And I remember him coming back out with Tokes and, you know, squashing it or whatever after I smoked the leño and, <laughs> you know. But it was cool. I mean, that was my first impression of him after that. He was like, hey, you know, I'm recording with Bone next week. I remember his white Mercedes-Benz that he had. He's like, we could roll together, you know. Yeah. That's when he talk, talks about the, in that white bands, uh, he talk, talks about doing that Vatos Navarro, you know, the Boys in the Hood in Spanish. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny because when I first met Easy was at the Swami. I didn't know who he was. I was introduced to him as Eric, but I didn't know who he was. They had just finished doing LA's The Plays, Fagaro Majok, and uh, uh, Boys in the Hood. I want to say 87. Okay. And it wasn't until like the following year that they were recording the record that I got to go into the studio uh, all through my manager at the time, Steve Yano, this Japanese man who knew them, who introduced me to them. So they were playing me songs. And I remember I was dying because I was like the only Mexican in that, the, the studio here in the city of Torrance to ask them the, the Mexican question. And the Mexican question was, hey man, on Dope Man, Oh, (laughs) you got a guy that knocks and and you say, y'all Mexicans always come with this shit. Like, I don't get it. Like, why would you say that? You know, because where I grew up here in the city of Wilmington, there were no Mexicans uh, uh, buying dope here, bro. We were selling it, you know, and uh, he just said, well, you know, uh, uh, I I didn't really mean it. It was just something that spared the moment and we just came with it and, you know, it it ended up on the record what he said so I said but yeah you then you said it another time you said because the Mexican almost wrecked my shit you know and I remember Dre and Ren were looking at him kind of like laughing that somebody was pretty much questioning him about it he goes man I get that shit all the time he goes but that it did happen he goes the Mexican almost wrecked my shit so I just said it I couldn't argue with that what I liked about him that at least he was honest yeah you know to me easy for me, it had always been a real one, yeah. you know, and, and uh, one thing that I loved about the dude is that he never saw me as a, if you will, a non-black, like, oh, you're just Mexican. He no, never saw me
1: like no. that. No, it was actually different. Yeah. Uh, it was more uh, on a personal level than yeah. that, than that. It was like, it, it was more uh, like we were more blood, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. That, that tripped me out, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because I'd never really experienced that. It was always a separation of things, you know, of... Of culture of, of of ways of going about your daily day to day, you know what I'm saying? Even though there were so many similarities, right? You know, right. even now to this day, it seems like, you know, people are trying to separate what is actually obvious. You know what I'm saying? Like, we grew up out here, you know, and how many races is there out here? Like we're like a bunch of different races, out, right. and everybody grabs a little bit of each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's just how it is. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. You know? So now. After that day in the studio, how soon after do you start
0: recording? Uh, do they have an instrumental track? Are you there while they're building it? Does Tok say, hey, man, you know what? I'm going to put you on this track. How did that? What was the next move?
1: Uh, we left there, and he says, uh, I have this instrumental. Uh, tell me what you think. And I heard it. Um, this is on the way home uh, from the G-Spot to my pad. And it's probably like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. And, and he's like, what you think? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm good with it. I like it. And he's like, how long do you think it'll take you uh, to write to it? And I said, oh, I already got something for it. And that was new to him. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because we, you know, represented the streets. We were gangbanging, you know? Uh, So that that is what, you know, how we came into the game. You know what I'm saying? Guys, gangbangers. But, you know... Because of my upbringing or how I trained myself to be in school and stuff like that, I always came prepared with it. So if I was going to get involved in something, I already had. So I had like a, a book of, of, of songs already ready. And uh, I told him, now I'm ready for it. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, so tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, tomorrow, let's go do it. <laughs> and uh, he took me uh, by the two freeway. I don't even know where the hell we were. The houses got bigger. And I was like, what the hell? What's going on? <laughs> you know, when you're 16, you never seen that. you never seen outside of your... Right. out of your block. Okay. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Of course. So, I'm driving to big houses and gated communities and all that shit was new to me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I met Andre. Uh, and uh he was a he was the producer that put our first song together, you know, when I say R, I mean Toker in my song and so rough. Okay. Uh with Rich G. What's up Rich G? Uh Rich G on the hook, you okay. know. And uh I remember going there and putting it down with my Carta Blanca because that was my thing back then, like I Hell said. Yeah. And um, and I remember the producer saying, man, this." I remember hearing him talk to Toker because I'm recording in the booth and I could hear and he's telling Toker, man, this kid just like killed my track, man. I need to make it like tighter. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really understand what he was saying, you know, but uh, I remember leaving there and Toker telling me, man. You know how long it takes my ass to record a song, dog, <laughs> and uh, and I tell him, nah, what you mean?" He's like, "Fool, you kill that like an hour." You know, right? I, I didn't know, you know, right? Uh, I didn't know. You know, for the public that usually
0: asks me, I wonder if Tony a ever met Toker. No, I never. Honestly, I never have the the pleasure of meeting him. I know one time I was at a studio. I think I don't know if you guys recorded there or just went there for some reason. Skip okay? okay. And uh, somebody had told me, oh, yeah, those guys from Brownside just came over here and they were going to fuck us up. And I'm not going to say who it was. I'm like, for real? And it was like, yeah, because we were trying to use a sample. And they said they were using it. They didn't want us to use it and they were going to fuck us up. And I was like, no shit. And I, the only name I remember was a name Toker, you know. Uh, uh, and I was like, was it a guy named Toker? It was, it was a bunch of them. So, so, I don't know if it was you were part of the crowd, but I, I wasn't there just yet. I can't remember. Yeah, but they were saying <laughs> a bunch of guys from Brownside showed up and they were going to fuck them up for using a sample from the Delphonics. Don't use that shit. We're using it. And I'm like, damn, you guys got punked over a sample? And then they were like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. But I no, I never met them, and I wish I would have met them. Uh, um, but you know what? Hearing all these stories firsthand from you, I almost get a sense that he was more like a Mexican version of Eazy. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah, you know. Some of the stuff that he would come up with would would you know at first, you know, at first thought or at first, uh, you know, idea of, man, that's just too simple, you know. Like, it needs to be more creative, and he would tell me, nah, wix, trip, like, and he would explain it to me why he he saw it that way. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. That makes perfect sense. You know what okay. I'm saying? You know? Awesome. So now you guys record uh, that track
0: at that studio. You said the producer was named Andre? Andre. Okay. Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. Not the actual wrestler. Nah. <laughs> okay. So now you guys record that. And um, uh, he did his verse, obviously. Uh, Rich G uh, did the hook. What comes next for you guys? Uh, how many songs total before you guys said, okay, you know what, Easy." e Wants to sign us, Easy wants to put it out. How did that all
1: come to happen? Uh, Easy was already part of it, man. Okay. Yeah, Ruthless was already involved with you know with the Brown side. Um, he passed on, and that we were still finishing the album. The album oh. took a lot a lot of years to put together. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, as a matter of fact, um, I did another song on that album called "Creeping" uh, here in Diamond Bar mm-hmm. uh, with Richard. And, um, you know, that's when I caught wind that that Toker was, you know, he was facing a case, a charge, and he needed to go to court, Uh, and he was like, you know, they're going to try to give me life, you know, offer me 15, I'll be out in seven. I'm like fool, nobody gets out on life. You know, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? You know? But like I said, he was he was a different the different type of guy, you know what I'm saying? And uh yeah. That album didn't get finished until like Toker was gone in jail or right? then We just needed like a song or two left, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um but
0: so, so uh, is it safe to say because if I'm correct I believe that brownside was signed to easy 92 93 and the yeah. album came out 97?
1: 97 97
0: yeah. wow and and oh, why do you think it took so so long
1: just the gangbang life man yeah you know it's not like we were dedicated artists and that's what we're about and we're just gonna go all in there was a day-to-day that we needed to to handle and take care of and and you know Unfortunately, uh, our lives were surrounded and involved with with you know people passing away or or dumb shit that happened that needed to get taken care taken mm-hmm. care of. You know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah. Now, now let me ask you this interesting question: Where were you, and how did you hear that he had passed away?
1: Uh, I was with Tox. Um, we went to the hospital. Um, I remember seeing uh, those guys with the. The Muslims, uh huh, like all around the hospital, dog, like not letting nobody in, okay, you know what I'm saying. And and it talks is like, I'm gonna have to go in by myself, dog, and I'm like, Yeah, cool, you know. And uh, you know, he told me a lot about that last conversation he had with him, you know, and like I said, some of the stories they're personal and then they're, they're gonna stay between him and I. but um. You know, a day after that, though, that's when Toker said, you know, he's okay. gone, he's gone. I mean, he was close to it already, you know. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't realize, and again, I don't know what was said between you and Toker as far as what Eazy might have shared with them during that conversation. But I do know for a fact, and maybe you can confirm this, or maybe you may have something different to share, that I know Eazy-E had a lot of love for Rasa. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of love for Rasa. and and um, uh, I don't. I'm not going to elaborate uh,
1: because I could share more. Yeah, I know where you're going with it. Okay. Yeah, so. and I and and I understand that that's where he was at. Okay. Yeah, maybe the last year or two. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So,
1: if I had to ask you one more question
0: about Easy, from what you know of, or from maybe what Toker might have told you throughout the years that you, Toker Danger, and uh, uh, Easy were communicating. W- what do you think Easy, if you will, maybe not say take the chance, because obviously he believed in it, and he signed Brownside. But what do you think he signed Brown- Brownside? Do you think he saw something?
1: Oh, he related. Okay. Totally related. Okay. He didn't, you know, he saw that we didn't give a fuck like he didn't. Okay. It was exactly the same. You know what I'm saying? flannels, low-riders. You know, talking shit. Okay, you know what I'm saying. All right. It was it was the same, and you're right, and you're right when you say Tox was, you know, a Mexican version of Easy. Ah, the same thing, you know what I'm saying, and and you know, unfortunately, the you know the change of events, the turn of events with with Easy, with Tox going to jail, you know, a lot a lot of things prevented you know the possible or the potential of what brownside could have been. Uh, but I'm not I'm not the type of person that likes to hold on to things of what could have been. You know what I'm saying? Right. I take things for what they were and and what they are, what I'm going through, and, I, and it molds me, you know, and it allows me to become who I am. You know? Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, you talked a little bit about Tokyo in a Jail. Uh, and again, from the outside looking in, i like to ask as a fan, uh, when that album dropped... What happened? Did you guys perform? Obviously, you said he was in jail. Uh, wh- what was it? I mean,
1: because obviously the album comes out. We were on we were on Triple X Records actually. By that point, uh, Pete and Dean were the owners of that company. Uh, warehouse somewhere in like Northeast LA. Okay. Crazy as looking warehouse. Uh, skater looking dudes, you know, surfer <laughs> dudes. But but they were with it, you know, promotion. They had the feria to, you know, push it out, all the posters, the shirts, I mean, the whole package, you know, um, you know, things didn't get handled the way they should have, uh, as far as, you know, your points that you earn as an artist. But, um, I believe it was like 700, over 750,000 copies sold. Yeah. Mm.
0: And, um, by this time you had mentioned, if I'm correct, Toker's in jail.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um. How, how would you say, the album drops, how long before the album dropped did he go to jail for? Like, was he in jail
1: already for? Oh, that's a good one. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. it's uh, It's got to be like within a year. Okay. I mean, he knew for a while that something was going to happen. He just wasn't sure of um, how long the length of stay was going to be. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, he could have gotten out, you know? He could have gotten out. And there was a case where they asked him to, to mention a name or two, and they would let him out that day. And then I remember tokes telling me that that's what they were offering him. And I, and I laughed because I know that that wasn't going to crack like that. And I told tokes what would you tell him? And Tokes said, I told him, how much longer do I need to stay if I don't say any names? And they told him two years. And he's like, all right, cool. And he's like, walk right back in. You know what I'm saying? And that's the kind of cat he was, though. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? I mean... We, we are that way, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say that there's not a lot of us left like that or whatever, you know, to each his own. But, but they want him pretty much too. Yeah. And it, I just, we weren't raised that
0: way. Of course. Of course. That kind of remind me of Joe Pesci. Remember, and, and, uh, was a good Goodfellas when he said, hey, what the fuck are you doing here? I told you to go fuck your mother. And he goes, bing, bang, bang, bang." I knew he wasn't going to say shit, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, he just finished off his time. So now... You know, it must kind of suck because you have an album out, it sells, and you can't do nothing with it. Yeah. You know? Now, how was your relationship with uh, the
1: other rapper, Danger? Well, he was passed on already. Okay. Yeah. No, well, well, well okay. during the time that we met. Yeah, prior uh, to that. Yeah, Danger was exactly what his name was, man. Was reckless, you know what I'm saying? He lived life on the cuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got in the car once with him, and I say once because he drove like a maniac, you know what I'm saying? Uh you know smoked out with him uh talked about the music uh, at first he you know his personality was just like I, I don't trust anybody i don't like anybody you know what i'm saying so for uh a person like me not only being from a different hood but somebody that's going to be part of a group that they've already established uh i'm sure it was something that he was in with at the beginning you know what i'm saying but okay. but we, we were cool okay you know what i'm saying we were cool and uh you know, it's unfortunate what happened to him, you know what I'm saying, he left some family behind and you know, that's the life, you know, when you're yeah. living that life and, and you're just trying to make it out. And that was the whole purpose behind it was to try to, you know, set some type of belief in that one of us can make it out, Yeah. you know, yeah. and create something that that becomes a template to where everybody else could follow suit. Or, or make an adjustment and, and take it even further after that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's the whole point. Yeah. That's the whole point of what we've been trying to do to this point. You know what I'm saying? That's what you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Opening that door. Yeah. I mean, you guys should appreciate that. You know? Awesome. So now, um,
0: how long before, if you can give the people a, a picture of, before the album drops, had he had already been deceased?
1: Mm. Yeah. So many people lie, man. I can't remember.
0: Okay, okay. Would you say year two?
1: I would say at least a year and a half. Yeah.
0: Okay. And wh- where were you when you first heard of uh, him passing? Uh,
1: I was at home. Toke's called me. You know, I was I was uh, cool with a couple of his homeboys. You know, yeah. it wasn't just Toke's and, and Danger. I mean, in their neighborhood. I got you know to know a couple of them. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying his brother. Um, Porky, I got to meet, uh, you know, Grill, uh, Joker, you know, Philo, a couple of the homeboys, you know, yeah. a couple of them I smoke with, a couple of them I drank with, a couple of them I got in trouble with, you Spoke know what I'm saying? With, yeah. You know, jumping in a Cadillac that you know was super difficult to turn because it was like 20 feet long. Yeah.
0: You know, you know and one thing people that may not know and barely finding out now, here you have a member. A, an original member of the group, deceased, may he rest in peace. And then you have one in jail, and then you have you out. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I remember when my record came out. I was so happy when I first heard my song on the on the radio, and we were on the, on a tour. So you know, it sucks that you guys didn't get to experience that because yeah. I would have loved to have known how those shows you know went. You know, so now. uh in between time before he gets out, what were you doing as a member of Brownside?
1: Uh, I got acquainted with uh, a buddy of mine, he became uh, my brother, you know, um, from um, the Cherokee Nation, you know, and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a company he had called Red Vinyl Records, Red uh, for Native Americans, you know? Okay. And he uh, he reached out to me. I met him at the G-Spot through Tony G and super dope cat, you know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. what up, Lightfoot? And, um,
0: Lightfoot, a lot of people, I mean, I know that's the, the guy from uh, the movie. Yeah, and then in, in, in the
1: cupboard. In in the cupboard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, super dope cat. I got, you know, I got in... Uh, know, in a business relationship with him and and it became more because uh we shared a lot a lot of uh, similarities on on the same level he was just dealing with it uh from the native side okay. you know what i'm saying and uh entrepreneur as well you know and i chase that type of personality because i feel that you got to stick with people that actually motivate you yeah. or inspire you to be greater or you're doing both you know, it's going back and forth that way, right. uh, as, as opposed to like bringing people up. You know what I'm saying? Unless they need it, and then that's all right. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he was that. He was that for me, and I was that for him as well. I believe. You know, okay. and uh, I did about two years of, of music with him and and toured. Um, the first solo album that I did, the project Mister Balden Brown, mm-hmm. yeah, it was at his studio in Seattle, Seattle, Washington. Dope, dope. Yeah, yeah. So
0: at all, just to ask, uh, did you do? Any shows with the brown side stuff? Just you doing your verses?
1: Yeah, with touring on on tour with uh, with Lightfoot. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And it was all reservations, so that's a whole tr- different trip, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So here here you have uh, all these Native Americans with a long greña. Yeah. And you have wickets at the pelon. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I stood out like a freaking what thumb. Casta Blanca. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all good. Listen, I want to talk about when we come back about uh, you. What was your relationship like or uh, how much did you keep in contact with Toker while he was locked up whatnot when we come back? And we'll talk about the second album, what took place when he got out, what did you guys do, etc. Okay. So we may go a little bit extra longer, you guys. So uh, I'm going to go give me some Patron and go give me a couple of beers. Somebody brought some short beers, okay? Pissed me off, but you know what? Hey, it's free, so I might as well just drink it. Once, once again, go to the GoFundMe and you know what? Uh, bless us with... A contribution after that, go to our website, uh, and see what the incentives are when you bless us with $50 or $100 or more. Uh, we made it worth your while where, where you could, you would want to be a part of this. And all I want to do is just shine light on Rasa. So if you want to help me, cool. If you don't, don't leave no negative comments. Honestly, we don't need to listen to your bullshit. Other than that, call somebody, text somebody, slap the shit out of somebody, and let them know that we're gonna start drinking a little bit. We'll be back in 10 minutes. Welcome back everybody to Rodian Radio episode 54 and I am Tony A, the wizard. This is the little wizard that somebody had actually gave me. Once again, please buy us out the four Rhodian mixtapes. First time ever put on CD. Uh, the, la- the Actually, the first time they were ever out was during the 80s. I mean, it's got all my mixes. Once again, people always ask me, what song is it that a, a Rhodian radio starts with? It's on this tape, uh, this CD uh, called In Effect. Okay, you could buy it via download or you could order the CD for those of you that still like CDs. I know a lot of people act stupid and say, well, I don't even have a CD player. Then this is not for you. Buy the download. It's all good, homie. Don't worry about it. Rody Mixtape Documentary. Once again, TRMD20. That's a promo code where you can get 20% off. Uh, if you like it, I've never heard anybody say that I didn't like it. And that's why I took it upon myself to do a Chicano Rep documentary. But for me to uh continue to go forward with this project i need donations so if you want to help us cool if you don't hey pray for us okay other than that i already poured myself some mini micheladas or oh, once again uh big shout out to my boy blasto uh bought a case off of him because i support those that support me and now you know the show's gonna get good because i bought out the damn patron so while he talks I'm a poor okay so if you hear me stuttering no because soy tartamudos, because I'm buzzed. All right. <laughs> Anyways, brother, so now, the album dropped, 1997. Toker's in jail. You guys are working on a record, uh The Payback? Yeah, oh, Payback. Okay. People are probably wondering, were those tracks that Toker's rapping on, were they pre-recorded, then you guys just put them out later? Or how did you guys record him kind of fill us in
1: yeah so we did uh because you you know we didn't have any tracks recorded we went out and and looked for different ways to be able to record them over the phone and we we tried it a couple of times and uh it, it failed but we then uh found this one device uh that could plug directly into the soundboard and uh and that's how we recorded that pretty much that album uh, from him on the phone and every time uh that little uh you know that repetition you know this call is being monitored it kept coming up so it would interrupt his verse and he'd be like oh shit, you know uh but you know we chop it up and take it from there and uh and we did put the, the whole project together like that
0: now now okay okay i'm just gonna ask because i'm sure somebody's probably wondering I'm sure didn't anybody say bone check boo no nah. okay
1: no nah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nah. you know i mean, I mean and, and there's there's I'm noise sure, there you know i'm sure i'm sure he had like food saying hey shut the hell up and i'm taking the next three and you know right like, yeah he he had it like that i,
0: I mean and it's kind of hard
1: because let's be honest you're on a pretty much like a payphone yeah. looking thing and you're listening to the beat while yeah you're, wow Yeah. But we made it happen. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And it was a coordination, uh, you know, through phone calls that him and I had and also visits and and letters. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how many, how many homies do you know that, that actually, you know, stick it out with you? You know what I'm saying? Visit you, send you stuff, write to you, whatever, you know, something to, to change the manani, the repetition of what's going on there, feeling like you're exiled, you know? Yeah. I tried to, to not allow that to happen, you know, keep them motivated. The momentum was important. Of course, of yeah.
0: course. And, and uh, would you say how many songs were recorded like that? Mm, I'd say at least a good six or eight of them, man. Wow. Yeah. So that album drops in 1999. Uh, the album prior to that dropped in
1: 1997. Uh, so 99, when did he get out? Ooh. Keep asking me these years, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not good with that. I'm just like names. I can't remember some names. Sometimes. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying. You when know, he got. Out, I know he got out, and within the year, uh, we recorded the takeover. So okay. So a year, a year before the takeover. Okay. So now, the, in your opinion, between the first
0: and second album, and I don't know. It's kind of hard because he's in jail. Which one did you like better,
1: between the first two? Oh, Eastside Drama man. Okay. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. It's the yeah, roots. it's the beginning of a whole evolution, you know. It's something that I mean you had you had Rasa out there putting it down, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we introduced the the Cholo. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We introduced the, the, the big pantalones, the cortez. Um, you know, he had the comb back hair, I had the pelona. Yeah. You know, it was a transitional period for, for us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, we were, you know, we were revealing a lot of, you know, about our street, our, you know, our, our heritage Yeah, and our pride, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you guys from here, from L.A., pretty much, where I believe Chicano Rap originated from, right. started. Right. You know, people ask me, Tony, when you do the Chicano Rap documentary, are you going to interview different Chicanos from different parts of the state? Well, I don't have a big enough budget to be flying around to be interviewing. I would like to, but I started out with a small budget to making it at least reasonable. That like we can go around here and interview people and give the people what they want because I really, really want to shine light on our rasa, our music, our culture.
1: Yeah, I think that's dope. uh, Actually, because it'll create you know the opportunity for. Uh, people that haven't actually seen where we come from or what we're about and put that into light. And then, yeah, it might be a little bit smaller of a project right now, but those cats that are out there that have uh, the feria to back it, that know that there's something there, they're going to get at you.
0: Awesome. awesome, And I hope they do, you know, because other than like people like Toker, other than people like yourself that had that vision that everybody would eventually, eventually will be brown side, you know, um, there were, other rappers that possibly came before us and never did anything. Yeah. You know, they had their opportunity to shine light, you know,
1: but they never did. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I mean, it was uh, something that was always a part of my thinking, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to kick down the door and let as many fools in as I can. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because that's that's what's going to create the, the wave of, a, you know, that ripple effect to where this is the new. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but you know, to well, each his own. I think a lot of those guys just
0: wanted to shine light on themselves. Yeah. Wanted to make all the money to themselves. Uh, they didn't mind working with other rappers as long as those rappers didn't surpass them. Yeah. You know, with me, and I will cont- always continue to say this, if I can help you or help the next man surpass whatever I might have accomplished, I want to do that. Yeah. And, and
1: have that person do that for the next man. Yeah, that's how we're going to get there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A chain link. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But you know, greed and 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 envy is, is a dirty beast, man. It's a dirty beast and, and if you live like that then that's where you stay actually. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I try not to think that way. Right. You know, I mean I see it, I'm not oblivious to it. Right. You know, but I, I try to get past it. Right. You know, okay. uh, I might not have reached the, the pinnacle that I, I envisioned for myself be the, the chain of events or whatever. But I, I feel like uh, I treaded, uh, you know, heavy footed and I created a good path. You know what I'm saying? At least uh, to help all these youngsters that are coming up, believe and have that sense of like, hell, yeah, I'm going to get it. Right. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And we need it. And I think it's about time.
1: It's funny. Somebody commented
0: on one of my YouTubes. He said, we're trending right now, speaking of Raza. Mm. We're trending, and I think it's about time that we do. But without further ado, I'm going to take a little, bit of, a little bit of sip of this shot because I don't want to get too fucked up. Okay. But salud, bro. Salud. Okay, bro. Salud, Raza. Well, so now... No pussy. Um, on that second album, uh, Phil is in who did the production on that record. On which album? Uh, the second
1: one. And the second one. Oh, Richard. Richard Pross, uh PR Records, uh-huh. you know, we have, we've had our ups and downs, him and I, uh, okay. ultimately we've come uh, to, to an understanding where uh, we have a mutual respect right now, you okay. know what I'm saying? But he's been around for a long time, man. Uh, that cat, I think he owns like a lot of the West Coast music. He has oh, a cat, sure. yeah, he has a catalog of like five, 600 albums, yeah, Red Eye Distribution, uh, up in Diamond Bar. Um, some of the most popular songs that we had uh, came out of his studio, you know what I'm wow. saying? And, th- and that payback, for sure. Mm. Yeah.
0: Now, 1999 payback comes out. Your next record doesn't come out until 2006.
1: Yeah, it's like a pattern, huh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 why is that? Well, oh.
1: La Vida de Cholo. La Vida de Cholo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now,
0: when he gets out, what is your guys' relationship like? What are you guys doing? Are you guys studio working, back to the street life?
1: Uh, he get, he gets out. Uh, he hits me up, says, hey, Wicks, I'm out. I was super happy for him, you know? I mean, who else do you know that that gets life and gets out? <laughs> like, honestly, you know what I'm saying? Right. I don't really know anybody. I mean, they might get 15. They might get 25. Right. But once you catch that L, yeah, like, it's unheard of. You know what I'm saying? And just like he said, seven years, boom, he was out. Anyhow, he said, I'm out. I'm going to take, you know, some time with the family and uh, we'll be back at it soon. You with it? And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I could have changed the whole, the whole time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I did go out and do my solo projects because, you know, I needed to keep the momentum going. That's just, it was part of it and he and he understood that you know what I'm saying right but i could have I could have changed directions and tried to become part of something else or whatever but I never did you know it was not it was not something that you know you don't you don't bother to hop so you're not you it's not the same you know, you know what I'm saying yeah because I've known a couple of dudes that were from two different neighborhoods
0: and I'm like that shit doesn't go
1: yeah you know it's not it's not not in my nature. I remember a story when we were coming from um uh, from Universal City walk and uh and uh Toker uh took me out there to to meet a a potential new member of the Brownside. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And he didn't tell me until we got off the car. Really? Yeah, he's like, "Let's go out there. We used to go out there and grow up, you know, at Jerry's Diner or some shit like that." Uh, I used to get hamburgers and he's like, fool this is a fancy restaurant where you get hamburgers." Uh, I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? But um, I remember going up the escalator, and he told me, all right, we're about to meet a cat. He's from this barrio. And, uh, you know, we're thinking about putting him in the brown side. And I was like, what? And then we started talking to him, and, like, he he rubbed off the wrong way, you know what I'm saying? And uh, and I pulled Toco over, and I was like, nah, don't, you know? Yeah. And, like, whatever, that meeting was done, right? And we jumped in the ride, and, and we're driving on the freeway, passing South Central, right there by Central. You know, on the 10. And I remember him telling me, hey, he's like, you hang around with us, dog. You, you're you a lot like us. He's like, why don't you just, you know, get into my neighborhood? And I told him, pull the fucking car over, dog. And I told him, pull it over, dog. Like that? And he's like, what? I'm like, pull the car over, dog. I'm like, what, what the hell? Why are you asking me that? You know what I'm saying? Right. And he's like. Like, you wouldn't do it, dog? And I was like, hell no, fool, what's wrong with you? Would you respect me if I did that? And he's like, nah, I wouldn't. And, and he was messing with me like EZ was doing back in the day, you know right. what I'm saying? And so uh, that's something that we knew about each other, you know what I'm saying? There's right. just some lines we don't cross. Yeah. And we respected that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like snitching, man. You just don't fucking do it. You just bite the bullet. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, so now, did I guess since you brought that up while he was locked up did anybody ever say come fuck with me
1: man lee brownside yeah i mean i don't want to name him but yeah right so so it, happened a, it happened a couple of times yeah really yeah okay it's just yeah,
0: if, i'm loyal if, i'm loyal to a fault man okay yeah, I mean, you don't have to name people but if you can elaborate a little bit maybe there's somebody offer you something or uh you know
1: yeah, those deals, you know, to okay. where hey, we have a three-album deal. We'll offer you this amount of money up front, you know, uh, just like any other deal back then. Once you hit this, uh, you know, this amount in sales, then we'll start chunking you off this way. Uh, the promotion's gonna be good. You're gonna blow up, and <laughs> all the regular, uh, you know, industry talk. Yeah, like you're the greatest. I'm like really? Because my pockets ain't telling me that right now. You know right. what I'm saying? So I wasn't with it, you know. It was. I'm like I said, I'm loyal to a fault. My uh, my record proves it. You know what I'm saying? Right. You right. know uh, that's who I chose. That they chose me. I chose them. And we're still with it. You know what I mean? I'm still rolling. I'm still rolling. What up, clever? What up, Benz? Dope, dope. okay now.
0: So now, tres razones, tres razones, comes out in 2008. So 97, he dropped Eastside Drama. 1999, you dropped Payback. The Takeover, 2006. Tres Razones 2008. Who did the production on that fourth album?
1: Uh, Richard Pross. Okay. Yeah, I dropped an album, a solo project, actually, one out of many in between those two albums.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay, you want to share a little bit on that?
1: Uh, The one out of many project was important to me because I was able to uh, step out of the normal... um, the normal routine of writing you know what i'm saying i was allowed to uh become more flexible with my with my you know my flow uh-huh. and uh tap into that part of it you know mm-hmm. uh, i began to believe that there was more to it and i just reached in and and, and you know started creating more uh variety you know and i would, so and then it reflected on the next album as well you know the tres razones you could hear it my okay. flow started changing a little bit and you know some people are like you know how you feel like, oh, I created the best song ever, and then and, and hardly anybody feels it. And then you're like, damn, that song sucks that I just did, and everybody loves it. You know? I have a couple songs like that. For real? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Now,
0: 2016, eight years later, there's an album called Banging Stories. Right. By this time, you're not on this album. No. Okay.
1: Yeah. Who's on this album? Uh, his brother. His brother, Clever. Okay. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm not sure who else is on it besides okay. uh, besides Stoker and him. Uh, I'm not sure if the Teresa boys are on it or Ben's. And, okay. You know, I've heard a few songs from that album. You know, uh, there, you know during that that period from our last project to then, uh, there was a lot of things that that I needed to take care of personally, uh, as far as myself. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I I got married, and I wanted to to grow, you know what I'm saying, personally as a person, and and that was difficult, right. you know, coming from the streets to to trying to integrate into a position where, you know, you have to act a bit more professional in your, in your normal jargon or your, you know, your a-homes or a fool you, you can't talk like that in a, in a place of business. Right. So I had to adapt to that. Uh, so that's what I was dealing with for seven, eight years, you know what I'm saying, uh, during that period.
0: Okay, but I wasn't ask you uh, what was the reason for you not being on that record, but you just gave it. Yeah. Now, um, was
1: yours and Toker's relationship still good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it never changed. Okay. It never changed. We were, you know, we're brothers. Okay. We'll always be. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. He'll be waiting for me. That's awesome. For sure. So now, um,
0: this is probably the hardest part of. This interview here, but I have to ask, how was it, or where were you when you heard of him, you know,
1: being deceased? Uh, well, I was working a graveyard shift, uh, and I got a phone call from one of his relatives, like three or four in the morning, and I thought it was a really odd hour for them to be calling me, you know, and. You know, they didn't mention it, but, you know, my, my gut instinct told me something was up, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, I remember, you know, for the rest of my shift, I just, that just, you know, lingered. And, uh, I remember getting home seven, eight o'clock in the morning and I remember waking my wife up and telling her and, and then I got the phone call, you know, uh, one of the other members of the camp called me up and says, Hey, they got him though, you know? So I was at my pad, okay. But from the first sense of it, like four in the morning to like eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, from when I heard it, you know, you get that nasty ass feeling in your stomach, you know, yeah. Yeah. and um, you know, it, it was unreal. I mean, for a long time, right. like I try to. I, I feel like I'm a pretty smart individual, you know what I'm saying? So I try to like poke holes in the story and figure out like something's not up, right? I, I could figure it out, you know what I'm saying? But nah, the more I dug, the more I started finding things that, that led to like, yeah, it that, that really did go down.
0: Uh, now, I had heard conflicting stories the day of, okay? Um, of course, people started posting on social media or whatnot, and I didn't know, but I was like looking into it. So I started calling up people that might have known him, and uh, some people said it happened here, and then some people were saying it happened in, in Mexico. Yeah. So there were com- com- conflicting stories. Yeah. Uh, wh- where did it happen? If you can clear it up for the people,
1: it happened out there. Okay, yeah. in,
0: in, in Mexico. And, and how
1: long was he out there prior to this? Uh, years, man. He created. A, he had a family, a boy, Xavier, and Mama Tokes. What's up, you know. Shout out to them. They, you know, they they went through a lot. You yeah. Know? Um, they had their help. they you know, they held their head up high. Uh I got nothing but love for them, you know. My relationship was, you know, with Tokes, so you know, ever since he passed, a lot of uh, the people that we were hanging around with, the camp and stuff, we, we haven't hung since, you know what I'm saying? But I'd say a good seven to ten years he was out there, man. Okay. Yeah.
0: And um, was he still recording at the time? Yeah, really. See,
1: yeah, so I mean, I'm not gonna say he he liked to exaggerate, but he's a good salesperson. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course, easy was the same way. But uh, he says, "Man, Wix, I got like 300 songs, dog." You know what I'm saying? And I believe, I believe he probably did. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You know that was his thing. That's you know we had that in common to where uh, it's our therapy. That's the only way we stayed sane. You know. Of course. You know, getting it out of our system.
0: Uh, look, I'm going to be honest with you and I will admit it again. I wish I could have met that guy, you know, because, and there isn't too many people in the rap game that, there's some people that I regret fucking meeting and then there's some people that are no longer here with us that I, I wish I could have met that guy. Yeah. You know, uh, I met Tupac one time and to me, that was enough. He was a quiet guy. He was about 19 years old. Uh, I had an opportunity to meet easy. You know, I hung out with him. Easy would come to my house, rap on my mixtapes. Um, I've been in the studio with Dre, I've been in the studio with a lot of legends, and I don't say that braggingly, I say that in the most humble way because I was introduced to these guys all through my manager, Steve, who's no longer with us, okay. you know. This is the Japanese guy that signed proper dos in the early 90s who believed and saw the future for Chicanos. Yeah, those cats are tight. Yeah, yeah. and um, I remember he told me, I got some guys from uh, Santa Monica coming through, and, and in my mind, you know, the street mentality of Santa Monica, like, like from where? Like, I don't know, don't fucking worry about it, Tony. They're coming through. <laughs> you know, and I met them. They had a song called Uh Mexican Power, which I thought that was fucking dope. Yeah, it was tight. You I know? remember the record. Yeah, and he signed them. And uh me and Ernie have been and Frank B have been uh friends ever since. Uh friends ever since. And uh, but yeah, you know what? And then he passed away, so I took it upon myself to honor him by doing a documentary uh and sharing with the world pretty much the contribution that he had here in the West Coast, uh, for, uh, West Coast hip hop, you know, he had a visionary uh, himself, yes, man. Yes, exactly. I mean, everybody, uh, recorded at his studio. I mean, I used to like to tell the story that even Biggie Smalls even went to his studio, Wow. Yeah, you know, so Cypress Hill, uh, Mellow man, uh, Tina Marie, everybody went because he knew everybody because of the Swamp Meet, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, um, there was another question I was going to ask you as far as, um, uh, and again, and these questions are, are hard for me to ask because I know that Toker is no longer here. So out of, you know, out of respect, uh, please allow me to ask, when was the last conversation
1: that you had with him before this happened? Uh, in his house, uh, in Rosarito, uh, looking at the beach, uh, listening to tracks, uh, my primo's truck... Um, I had a, a good hour, hour and a half conversation with him about where he was at um, in his life at that point. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I told him, "Dog, you know, you, you've you've been through so much. You've lost so many people. Uh, you know, I mean, he he gave a kidney. You know, to his, to his dad. You know, uh, he took care of his his aunts and his you know his his kids his I mean he took care of so many people, you know what I'm saying? He always wanted that boy. I remember saying I remember him saying, Oh, I want a boy. I think he was gonna like he was trying to buy one too. Like, fool, you crazy you can't buy kids. You know what I'm saying? But he would say that he's like, oh, I'll pay like fifty racks for a boy, you know? I'm like, all right, come on though, you know. Right. But he finally had his boy, you know, and, and his wife. He's married, a house, you know, he had this ranch and hundred palm trees about to get planted. I'm like, Dog, damn. I told him, Dog, you're like you're good, you know what I'm saying, and uh, I told him just let it go, though. Like everything else, you know. And he's like, I can't. Like too many people rely on me, you know. And that's and that's the kind of author he was, like straight heart, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I remember him telling me, he's like, you know, he talked to me about his brother, you know. He's like, you know, right now, he's like, it's one of those moments where we're disagreeing, but he's like, that happens all the time, you know. But and I want you to take care of him. I'm like, what are you talking about? We don't talk like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. He's like, you know, he's got so much potential. You know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, and it was difficult. It was difficult because you know he was in a in a place where life had taken him to. You know, it wasn't by choice. You know, he he wasn't good at school. He told me, you know, I wasn't good at school. I was good at hustle. And once I figured out how to do it. That's where it took me to, and this is where I'm at, and now everybody, rel- you know, relies on me, and I'm like, dog, relying on you, and and, and not having you is like, it's night and day, dog. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. But you know, his heart, his heart was what, what it was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And it'll always be that way. Okay. You know, that's the kind of the person that, you know, he was till the end. You know what I'm saying? Okay. A real vato. So you leave there. And how
0: soon after that? Was it months, days, weeks? Like two months. Two months. Okay, okay. Um, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and take a five-minute break. I've never done this. Take a five-minute break, we're going to come back, and I want to know where where is Wicked right now, and what could we expect from Wicked, and is Wicked going to be dropping anything new, or has he dropped anything new? So. Once again, everybody, we're going to take a little break, five minutes, come back, drink a couple of modelos, shit just got good. Um, I'm going to serve myself another fucking shot. And uh, don't forget to go to the GoFundMe and uh, support uh, our documentary that we're going to be filming hopefully soon. Buy me out, please. The Road Mixed Documentary, five minutes, we'll be back. And welcome back, everybody, to Creature Feature. Oh, that's tomorrow's show. Once again, Rodeon Radio, episode 54. And we're back with Wicked Brownside. Let's jump right back into it. Uh, For those of you that need to go to work tomorrow, go Mimis or hang in there. I'm sure your boss won't get mad. Some of you guys aren't even fucking working due to this corona bullshit. But uh, if you guys are having dinner, go ahead and finish up your top ramen and join us. Uh, Other than that, um, you know what? I have some interesting questions that... Some of the fans wanted to know. Um, let's see. There's rumors about a Toker book. How true cool is that? Or what do you know about that? Or is there a release date? Fill us in.
1: Uh, I don't have any info regarding the release date, but that there's a book. Yeah, there's a book. Well, I mean, he talked to me about it for a good couple of months, you know, and gave me insight as to what was, uh, what you know, it was going to tell his story uh, from a youngster on 49th street um there was actually two versions of it um you know one if he was still around and one if he wasn't so really know, yeah yeah so the one of course if he wasn't it was going to reveal a lot more of the truth you know stuff that you could wow. that is that his attorney advised them against <laughs> you know what i'm
0: saying you know here's an interesting question that i want to know did you guys ever get
1: into any other get into it with any other uh, chicano rappers uh, I mean, he had issues with a couple of them. You okay. know what I'm saying? For the same same, uh, same reasons that we discussed earlier. Okay. You know, um, as far as you know, fighting in the studio, yeah, a couple of times. You know, but not necessarily with artists. Okay. Just other people that were there that that needed an ass whooping. Okay. You know, I had heard a story, and I'm not going to mention the
0: name because I don't want to embarrass this guy because I know he's probably watching, and he knows who he is. Uh, There was a story going around that you guys were walking into the studio out in Diamond Bar or out in that area somewhere, and this person was walking out. You guys caught up with them, grabbed them by the throat, and shoved a uh, pistol down his throat. I don't know how true that is or if you're even familiar with that story. I am
1: familiar with that
0: story. Okay. Uh, So, that is true then? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, if you're watching, everybody knows. Um, Oh, well. Anyways, uh, now, here's another...
1: um, I love them subliminal messages, man. And your directness. I love like how you just interrupt yourself and boom, and then go back to yourself. <laughs>
0: See, because there's two of me, which I call the twinity. Oh, I like that. The twinity. So I'm going to so, make a shirt. Dope, dope. So now, okay, now we talked about the book. Um, where are... Oh, you know, is there any songs that you, Toker, and Danger still have that were never released? And if there is... Who may have them?
1: Mm, not all three of us, no. I, I have a track uh, with Toker that I haven't released. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now... I'm not sure if I will, but okay. but I do. I mean, I hadn't thought about it until right now that you said it. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, um, this might be a
0: hard one, but I need to ask. You, what's your most memorable... Toker story do you have one maybe a couple
1: hmm most memorable Toker story
0: something funny or something maybe sentimental that he might have shared with you whatever
1: uh there's a lot of stories man i mean especially uh in the studio the the drives home uh his plans you know uh but i think uh one of one of the the stories had to do with him and easy you know what i'm saying where uh, Easy was like telling telling Tokes, you know, you're you're my brother, man. And Tokes is like, Yeah and he's like, Nah man, like you're my brother, man. And Tokes is like, What are you talking about? And that uh, <laughs> and and Toker told me that Easy he pulled out a, a filetto and he cut his hand and he told him he's like, Let's make a pact. You know what I'm saying? And then Toker was like, Hell now, who you tripping? <laughs> so that was the story that, that Oh no shit. Yeah. Yeah, um, what what went through your mind when you heard that? I I don't know, man. I mean, who does that shit? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, that's a but, good story. But you know, I don't know if he was bullshitting me or not. But you well, know, that's what he told me. Yeah, but that's what he told me.
0: Any other one, man? Any other juicy ones?
1: Um, nah. I mean, uh, one one of the stories that did impact me a lot was he told me he was in uh, in ruthless recording. Uh, one of the songs and and he had to stop because somebody called him and told him that his brother got shot. You know, and uh I mean I'm never gonna forget that 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 story because that, that changed his whole direction in life, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um that was a I mean you guys remember that song called Rest in Peace and yes. that, that you know that that was a, a game changer for him. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh you know, stories of him and uh, and I at the casino in uh, Bell Gardens at the Bicycle Club. And I was too young to even get in the casino. And he would take me through the back where the Feria was. And uh, I watched him play at the high stakes table, some game called Pai Gow or something like that. Right. I don't know, a bunch of chinitos yelling right. and stuff. And Right. And uh, I, I watched him make like 150, 160. Like in four or five hours, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? And I was like, cool, dog, let's get out of here. You know what I'm saying? He's like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> and like three or four hours later, nothing, dog, nothing. It's all gone. I, I wanted to throw up, but we didn't have money to go home. The car was out of gas. Oh shit. Yeah. So that's a good story right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you ever, do you ever think about making a, if you if you will, a brown side documentary or something like that? Uh,
1: Clever has been talking about something like that. that he's going to okay. put
0: something together, you know. Gotta work, gotta work. Now, if I ask you to be a part of, and you allow me to interview you on this Chicano rap documentary, would you be done? Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: So, Anything for our people.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now, uh, last question about Toker, and then I want to talk about you. It's funny because I might not have ever been the closest to Easy E, but for some reason, he made an impact on my life. Where I think about the guy a lot. I really do. Um,
1: How often does it ever cross your mind about Toker? Oh, very often. I mean, we were friends for over 25 years, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I have known people for at least 20, 18 years, but 25 years. And to be on the same level as far as thinking, you know what I'm saying? Creating and, and, you know, as way out. As we both were, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, very often. Uh, I mean, the first couple of months, I was still calling him. Yeah. I will pick up my phone and call him to tell him my idea for a song. And then it would just ring, and then I'd be like, what the hell? Like, I would forget, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That he was gone. Yeah. So, yeah. You know what I'm saying? No. I, 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 know, I know it's hard like that because I've done
0: that, too, when uh, many times I'm like going through my contacts... And I see my father's picture there, and I wanna call him, but he's no longer here. Yeah. So I, I know what you're what you're saying because uh losing my mother and my father was uh, the hardest thing ever. And uh many times I, I I still have my father's number saved and my mother's number saved. You know, um when my mother passed away, my father got his own place. He didn't want to stay where she was staying. She used to stay, so he got his own place. And uh many times when I wanna go with breakfast, I think to myself, I'm gonna go call him. See if it wants to come with me. Yeah. And you kind of forget for a a moment.
1: It's a routine, you know. Yeah. They're they're just part of your grain. You're part of your root. Yeah. You know.
0: So now, uh, I know your Instagram has been popping up. Uh, That's where people can reach you. Do you have a Facebook at all? No, no Facebook. Okay, so pretty much just Instagram is the best way to get at you. Yep, Instagram. Now, what can we expect when we get it? I know you dropped a video, if I'm correct. You went that nice little white ride no. um that's out right now on all pretty much all platforms yes it is okay are you working on anything new coming out soon what can people expect from
1: wicked i started a song uh about two two and a half weeks ago uh-huh. uh here in hawthorne uh, with misfit total uh i was out there doing a song with uh conejo and um or for his album and um so I started the project, uh, it normally just happens. It's not something that I say, oh, you know, I'm going to dedicate this time to it. Nah, it'll just come in waves. Honestly, uh, I have never had it happen to me to where I had one of them writer blocks. You know okay. what I'm saying? Since I started writing, since I was 10. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, when talks passed, it affected me a lot and. And I already had a project that I was working on, and I finished it, and I was able to actually write another one after that, or, you know, an EP, whatever you want to call it. But after that was done, I drew a blank, man, for like three or four months. Really? Yeah. I haven't been able to write, Uh, you know, I don't even know what was happening. I would force myself, I'll throw the notepad in front of myself so I could see it, and nada, you know? and then uh i was like "Shit, i guess that's it you know uh, i came to terms with it and uh but nah. <laughs> uh like two and a half weeks ago an idea popped into my head and it just came back stronger than ever you know what i'm saying right, right. and uh and i have an idea for it you know what i'm saying okay. i want to take it back to where you remember that east siders album yeah that, that gangster g from Mm-hmm. I kind of want to do something like that. I've never gotten a chance to flow over anything like that, and I think it'll be ridiculous. So, you know, so, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, so it's safe to say that Wicker still has a lot to give. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, as long as the hint is still want it. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm a huge Rocky fan, and I was sharing
0: it with Kimo here a couple of days ago, how every time I land in Philadelphia, I always have to make my pilgrimage, or if you will, my date, my visit to the Rocky Steps because right. I'm a huge Rocky fan. Uh, my brother took us to a theater out here called United Artists when, uh, Rocky first came out in the 70s. Okay. I watched the last Rocky and Pauly tells Rocky something, well, vice versa, the other way around. Rocky tells Polly something. He goes, I think I want to fight again. He goes, really Rocco? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I think I still have some stuff in the basement. Okay. Now Rocky's fighting his last fight and, uh, um, Paulie tells them, remember, get all that stuff out of the basement, you know, like, let it all out. Yeah. So, let me say this to you. Yeah. Let it all out, man. All right. You know, whatever you have in here, let the world
1: hear it. Yeah. You know. I hear you, know. you man. So. Yeah, I respect. You know, and, and
0: same thing with me. You know, I'm 52 years old, brother. And you know what? I'm not one of those guys that I feel like, oh, man, I'm old now. Dude, I couldn't wait to turn 50 for some reason. Like, I couldn't wait. Like, now I'm like, Amy, I can't wait to turn 60. You know, I still want to do pull-ups, push-ups, bench pressing two plates. Yeah. I want to do all that yeah, shit. Yeah, I feel know?
1: actually uh, like I'm more dangerous right now. Real? Yeah. That's I mean, good. I got I got everything that that impacted me and affected me, and I got everything that that nurtured me and motivated me, and it's all in one package right now. And, and I'm a I'm a sound mind. I've never been in a place where I'm at ease. You know. Mm-hmm. All my family kept calling me hey you're gonna be on the show make sure you're, you're everybody else is more nervous than me <laughs> you know i'm i'm super i'm super comfortable where i'm at right now you know that's awesome you know it's funny people always tell me before a show
0: are you nervous are you excited and i'm like "Nah." like i, I even trip out that they even asked that to but be I honest know. because i i've been djing in front of crowds since junior high school so i think i got the jitters out back then. So like now I could speak in front of, you know, I dj in front of twenty five people and in front of seventeen thousand people and yeah. it's all the same to me. Yeah. So knowing that I have probably about two thousand people looking right now, it's like whatever. It's all right. It's all right. yeah So so good. So now uh at this time, is there anything you wanna say, maybe something I didn't ask you because I know there's going to be somebody fucking DMing me, inboxing me, leaving bullshit comments. You didn't ask them this. You didn't ask them that. You, so I'm going to tell. I'm going to ask you in front of everybody right now. If I didn't cover enough, would you be willing to come back? Sure. Okay. Yeah. You heard it here first. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I want to. I want to say uh, what's up to my um, homie from South Central. You know, he he's the one that actually connected me with you, Carlos Martinez. Mm-hmm. And then uh Boston, yeah. and trouble. What up trouble? Dope. Dope. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But besides that, I mean you guys see what the homie Tony's doing here and and support is mandatory, you know. Uh we need to back each other's play in order to make this happen. And and if we focus on the wrong things, we're not gonna get anything done. You know. We gotta focus on on what we could do to make it happen. And uh when there's uh positive thinking or, or forward thinking, like I like to say. Uh, you know things you know things go down the way they're supposed to
0: awesome awesome
1: any shout outs anything or that's pretty much it you know big brown side in la casa mr wicked right here carta blanca carta blanca representing <laughs> gracias for the tequila awesome man i yeah. wish you could drink more but i know you gotta drive yeah i do you gotta drive far or no um yeah oh fuck. it's all good though
0: voy a gonna put Anyways, but I'll still bump these anyway by myself, you know. But anyways, other than that, man, I want to have you back because for some reason I feel that there's something missing. Uh, any apparel uh, available that people can buy? Uh, maybe anything you may have out, or if they wanted the Brownside shirt, Brownside music is that available on all platforms? Or?
1: Yeah, Brownside music is available. Uh, I have my music available on Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, I got a couple of shirts that, that I've designed myself, but um, like I said, everything came to a standstill all of a sudden, you know, um, but the rasa, the rasa, always calls me back. So, yeah. you know, awesome. Got to make it happen. Awesome.
0: Okay, everybody. Uh, once again, let me go ahead and give my shout outs. But before I do, once again, buy me out. I just got these today. All orders that I were ordered, uh, I got a lot of orders today. And orders that I get tomorrow will be shipped out on Friday, so please allow seven to ten business days. And I say that because I'm paying for shipping. Okay, so please allow seven to ten business days. I I don't if I get one order, I'm not gonna run to the post office. I I want to get a big ass box and then send them all out at the same time. So Friday, if you order today or if you order tomorrow, it'll be shipped out on Friday. After these right here, we're gonna be printing up the Rodion Mixtape documentary finally on Blu-ray and after that we'll be releasing the other four mixtapes which is 88 boom and bass 86 in the mix high c and whatever else i had out there and after that i'll be releasing another four so they will eventually all be out soon okay so give us a little bit of time it takes money and in between all this we got to do shows in between all this we're hoping to get uh donations so that we can uh you know Direct and film this Chicano rap documentary, which I believe is uh, much needed. And believe me, this won't be the only one. There'll be more to come, but I need to start uh, somewhere. Other than that, if you want to know what you would get as an incentive for donating, um, go to documentary.com and all the info will be there as if you you saw on our commercials that um, that, uh, all the info was there. So, um, other than that, let me give a shout out to John motherfucking Elkins. Uh, once again, all of his, uh, stripper apparel will be coming out soon. His, uh, coochie glitter. Okay. His, um, nail polish. He's coming out with a new nail polish. He's got his own fucking color. It's fucking out of this world. Seriously. Cause I love women with uh, nice, pretty toes. And he's got the bomb nail polish, John motherfucking Elkins, okay? So be looking out. The anal bleach is already on sale. You can get that at John motherfucking Elkins.com, And um, once again, you can get a replica of his penis on there as well. It's not that big, but you know what? It'll do right now during this coronavirus thing. Other than that, uh, my boy DG, Daniel DG Media Clips, and I want to congratulate, uh, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy Pants for finding her new home for her new podcast. Be looking out, subscribe to her, uh, page, uh, Sandy's Insights. Uh, she's going to be starting up her podcast soon. And, um, other than that, I want to thank, uh, my boy Wicked from Brownside for uh, oh, being yes. here, for giving me the opportunity and the honor to be able to, uh, interview him. Other than that, my son, B. Scallis, for helping me uh, promote this, and my brother, uh, Ruben, for, uh, oh, and Get him for dick pumps. He's selling dick pumps like he's selling at least like 10 a day, you know. So other than that, we'll be back Sunday. I got a double feature. I got a male rapper and I got a female rapper. You're not going to want to miss this. Both of them are fucking dope. Okay, you'll see the flyer tomorrow morning. Uh, Like, share, comment, whatever. So call somebody, text somebody, slap the shit out of somebody, let them know that Wicked from Brownside was in the motherfucking building. And we out.